0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, for the first time ever, we have a suspended season within the season. Commissioner Niksikevich will give us an update, but the show must go on, and Tyler Carlson stole it last weekend in Denver. We'll talk as much as we can, for as long as we can. All that more on OTCB. I am an alcoholic. The lacrosse fans welcome to another edition of the off the crossbar podcast here on soundcloud nll radio the lacrosse flash and spotify my name is teddy jenner thank you for tuning in as always if you want to get at me here at the show you can find me on twitter at off the crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com and wow 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 never thought that this day would happen Never thought something like this would be going on in the world in this day and age. But I guess in a time of worldly travelers and business. And people just not adhering to the words of professionals. We've gotten to a point where the world's slowly coming to a halt. And because... Safety, health of those involved are constantly at risk. Started with the NBA last night. The National Lacrosse League and the NHL have followed suit. Sports are at a standstill. And I know the NBA wasn't really the first. It was the first real major league, but we've seen... March Madness make rulings, uh, ATP tennis tournaments, um, other sporting events all around the world have been canceled or subsequented to no fans. It is just a very, very scary time in the world today. But also a sad time because for many sports is a job, a life, an outlet. And with no sports, it can leave a lot of people without work, without an income. And yes, that is a minor scale story to people who are incredibly sick, losing their lives, and in quarantine. It's just a unfathomable realization that the world really is a small place and I give credit to those who have to make these incredibly tough decisions and even more credit to those in the power positions that had to make these decisions very quickly. I know there are a lot of phone calls being made around the sports world in the past 24, 48 hours. It's just all been very surreal. And for those that are saying, well, what about my money? Refund my tickets. You guys are overblowing this situation. Let's just pull back on those breaks a little bit. There are bigger issues than refunding your money. And just so you know, I'm sure that every sports league that is sending these messages that their leagues are being postponed, have your best interest in mind. First of all, they don't want you to get sick, so they're asking you to stay away and stay at home. And if it comes to the fact that seasons will be canceled and games won't be played, yes, then we can start wondering if monies will be returned. But seasons aren't being canceled. They're just being postponed. And so hopefully, in due time, this virus can be contained and we can get back to some normalcy within our own lives. It is going to be strange not to travel for games Not to be able to watch games and call games. But there are bigger things at hand than sports. And that is the health and well-being of everyone worldwide. Absolutely it sucks. It is a situation nobody ever thought would happen. But these, this and these reasons are why there are people in high positions that are tasked with making these tough decisions. And it's a case of follow the leader almost because nobody really wants to be the first one to pull the plug. But once that first plug is pulled, the dominoes slowly start to fall. And Wednesday, when news came out about March Madness being without fans, everyone was kind of like, wow, that's a major, major sporting event that is going to be moving on without audience participation. The NHL had teams in California saying, we'll be playing in empty arenas. That was another domino falling. Then in the NBA, when Rudy Gobert... Was deemed to indeed have the virus. And that game was cancelled. It really started to become real life. In North America especially. Because obviously Italy is in a pretty much a countrywide shutdown. So we are at a moment in time. Where there are way too many questions and not enough answers. And that is unfortunate but expected because no one has really been through this before. If you go back to 9-11 when sporting events were having to be canceled because of the terrorist threats... That was really the last case of something like this happen. Now, a compl- on a complete different scale. But still, it was a moment where decisions had to be made very quickly. And while some decisions are tougher than others, and some decisions aren't accepted that easily by some, It comes to a point where you have to make those tough decisions. And here we are. We are at a stalemate in the world. And it's not just going to be sports. We're going to start to see schools. We're going to start to see, you know, employers of of large companies and even small companies are going to start to say, stay home. Even if you're not sick, stay home. On the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, he had a doctor on who said, you could be able to spread the virus for up to four days without knowing you have symptoms. So you could have been exposed to it four days ago and still not know. And within that time period, you are contagious. So taking the precautions to stay home, self-contain yourself, and just keep distance from others may be the best thing to do and it sucks and it's not an easy thing to do and for those with anxiety and depression these could be some of really really tough times because isolating yourself is scary And it can play really, really evil tricks on the brain. But for the health, safety, and well-being of everybody, it's gotten to a point where those tough decisions are the best decisions to make. So we're without lacrosse for a while. For the foreseeable future. And there hasn't been a statement of How long? Again, I think we're at a point of follow the leader. If we take two, three weeks, quarantine everybody, just make sure everybody's healthy and safe. And then maybe once we get to April, that's what, three weeks, two and a half weeks from now, maybe we get to a point where we can start to think about coming back. But the biggest issue for the National Lacrosse League as it often becomes is arena availability. We all know that the National Lacrosse League is often second or third fiddle in most arenas. There are not too many arenas where the National Lacrosse League is the number one tenant. And because of that, With other pro sport teams with higher priority. Take Colorado, for example. Avalanche, Nuggets, Mammoth. The Avalanche and Nuggets will get first priority for open dates if and when pro sports decides to come back. So the Avalanche, I think, have a dozen games left in their regular season. Nuggets are probably somewhere around the same way. Mammoth have three home games left. Nuggets and Avs are going to get the first open dates to try to complete their schedule inside the Pepsi Center, which means the Mammoth will have to wait until all those dates are secured to find out when they could possibly play their final three home games. And that is going to be an issue around the league. And if the National Lacrosse League has to push its schedule back a couple of weeks, then so be it. But it's not going to be easy to fit the National Lacrosse League into some of those arenas with other tenants having to find open dates. It is going to be a difficult process to finish the regular season. It could mean midweek games. It could mean a lot of squeezed in double headers. We could see a lot of arenas with two games in a day, a basketball and hockey or basketball and lacrosse, hockey, lacrosse, whatever it may be. When it comes time to get back to sports, it is going to be a rush to find a way to fit NBA, NHL, and NLL games into these arenas. So while making sure everybody is healthy and safe is priority number one, finding a way to finish the regular seasons and get the playoffs in will may even be a tougher task. I don't know what the solution will be. I don't envy those that have to make these decisions. But these past 48 hours have been some of the toughest days in all of sport. And I can guarantee you that the conversations in the offices of all these leagues dealing with their board of governors, uh, their ownership groups, couldn't have been... Very easy. There, Those must have been some very, very, very hard discussions to have. But I think as of now, everybody has gotten the decision right to postpone and just wait to see how this all plays out. I imagine we're looking at at least a two-week hiatus. And that means we're pushing the regular season Into later May, playoffs are going to be going into June. Because I believe as it's at right now, playoffs were going to end by June. Now, we could be going deeper into June. And as lacrosse fans know, June is summer season. WLA, MLS, PLL, MLL, even the junior leagues, all of them. Are going to be affected by this delay, especially if the leagues, if the NLL starts back up in a couple of weeks. It's just going to push the timeline back further. I haven't heard from the. I know there have been some comments from Summer League saying, we're just going to keep an eye on the situation, see how it plays out. I get that. They can't exactly say, well, we're going to push our league back because. They've paused. They have to just wait and see. And again, this is all it's going to be. It is going to be a wait and see game. I keep using the phrase, follow the leader. But that's truly what it's going to be. The first domino fell, everybody fell in line. Now we all wait to see when the first groups decide, okay, we're clean, safe, and happy with how everything looks. Let's get back to playing games. Once that starts then everybody will slowly start to fall back in line again. But it's not going to be anytime soon, I don't believe. Like I said, we're March 12th today. If you give it two weeks, that takes you to March 26th. You might as well just wait till April. I spoke with Nick Sikiewicz on Wednesday before this news all came out. And he was concerned. He was unsure. You could hear it in his voice that this was something he wasn't really ready for. And the way 2019-2020 had been going for the National Lacrosse League, everything was trending upwards. Attendance was up. Ownership money was up. Sponsorship was up. The play on the floor was the best it's ever been. And now, we have to deal with this. It is a massive step back. Now, I don't know what the monetary impact this will have on the league. But I don't think it can be good. It is at a point where I don't think this is debilitating for the National Lacrosse League. I don't think it's the end of days for the National Lacrosse League. But having two weeks with no lacrosse can't be good. Now, honestly, I think it's probably better than playing in empty arenas. But we are still at a point where we have to just wonder what's next. For all of sports. So I was hoping to have an updated comment from the league today as we record. But with everything going on, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. They are in not panic mode or crisis mode. They are just going through the process to figure out what's the best avenue for the NLL. So I'm going to play for you the conversation I had with the commissioner on Wednesday. There is still lots in there to listen to and talk about, but it just kind of gives you a sense of where their thinking was 24 hours before they had to make the decision to suspend the season.
1: This will be my 27th year in the sports business. And uh, just when you think you've seen it all, uh, you haven't. At all, so yeah, it's uh, we make it up as we go, I guess, as they say.
2: Yeah, and it's been a, a crazy past few weeks, obviously, with the the coronavirus and and the scare that's gone worldwide. Everybody is kind of I, I don't want to say playing follow the leader, but they almost are. They're just waiting for the first real big domino to fall. And we're seeing um, you know what what courses, leagues, and countries are taking across overseas in Europe. Um, Music festivals are being canceled. Now the National Lacrosse League, much like NHL and other North American sports, are are limiting access to players through the media. Um, You guys did have a league-wide conference call last night. What's sort of the next step for the National Lacrosse League in making sure they're keeping fans, players, and staff safe?
1: You know, that's an interesting analogy, follow the leader, Um, although I think – people are following but there's no leadership to follow so um it's uh it's a very serious situation obviously one that we have been on top of for the last uh, 3 to 4 weeks really when it started to um become an issue here and I guess it, in the US the government here has been on it on top of it for the last 3 months but right around early February it started to uh, rear, uh, rear some concerns. So, we started talking with our medical professionals, uh, our team doctors, who are all very good, by the way. We've got an amazing group of doctors across all of our teams. And also, some infectious disease professionals were advising us we are not taking our cues from traditional news media or social media for sure and we're going right to the experts uh working a little bit with CDC and and Health Canada um to get their perspective advice counsel and um and yesterday we just put some protocols in place for this coming weekend uh week 16 that include uh, some limitations on player access to the locker room um and we put some other important protocols in place unfortunately some some event, events including the fans are going to be either restricted with player activity or uh postponed to another time and we're we're just taking some sensible um precautions while everybody figures out uh what the extent of this uh, virus is and develops a vaccine and you know, gets it gets it done. But the numbers are very small. There's no panic at all. We're not canceling games as of right now. Um, and we're going to do business as usual, but putting in some sensible protocols to keep our players and our fans safe, which is our number one priority.
2: I don't want to jump the gun, but, you know, are we nearing that moment of either A, cancel games, or B, games with no fans?
1: um i don't believe so at this moment you know it's wednesday ahead of week 16 and and we we have no contemplation of game canceling
2: yeah um so like i or, said I plenty, no yeah i made that analogy of follow the leader how how closely do do you guys keep in contact with with the other major teams that are in your arenas i know many are owned by the same entities but How much contact are you you with other NHL teams and NBA teams that are in those arenas and and understanding what what protocol they're taking as well?
1: Yeah, in the last week or so uh, daily and multiple times daily, um, obviously we have a lot of connections and shared ownership with NHL, so probably talk to them the most. Um, But uh, we're also, you know, collaborating with the NFL the NBA, uh, Major League Soccer, and um, really getting our information from the health professionals. That's where the most reliable information is.
2: You mentioned you've been in this industry a long time. Have you ever experienced anything like this that's caused such panic and and such worry throughout the world? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of moments over my career, the SARS uh, pandemic, uh
1: was was one uh, that that hit hard uh that uh we never ended up canceling games nine eleven was another uh we were i was in soccer in new york at the time and uh when nine eleven the nine eleven tragedy hit we uh we actually postponed playoff games right um that fall uh after nine eleven so uh yeah there's
2: been there's been a couple of them do you have any contingency plans in place if we get to a point where where fans aren't given access to games? Is is there a, a process that you guys think you will go with VR Live or, or allowing games to access or allowing fans to access those games more easily if we get to that point? Um right right now we're not we don't have any
1: contingency plans uh developed because we're just not planning on canceling games, but we are I, I think the best way to describe for you what we're doing is we are very closely monitoring um, travel, uh, what the airlines are doing. Um, we're talking with the other leagues about what their planning is. Uh, I mean, we 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 do have some very high level, uh, I wouldn't even call them contingency plans, but plans of action that we would take should the situation uh get get worse uh next week but you know again the the numbers are very low uh, it appears that uh the younger people are affected no differently than the seasonal flu we know the seasonal flu has uh killed tens of thousands this year uh this this particular virus is nowhere near those kinds of numbers so I'm not. I'm not downplaying it at all. We're we're taking this very seriously, um, but, but we're carefully monitoring it with the medical professionals.
2: Let's move on to a little more positive talk, and that is the National Cross League this season. As you mentioned, week 16, we are a handful of weeks before we get to the playoffs. Uh, this is year four for you. How exciting has this season been uh, with new alignment, new teams? Um, new ownership groups. This has been a fantastic season for the National Lacrosse
1: No, it really has been. It's been, and the story in Halifax just continues to unfold. And I think that's the the story of the year. I was up there on Sunday. It was a packed house and what a fantastic game. And, you know, the, the, this is the 34th year of the National Lacrosse League, uninterrupted for 34 years. And next year, is our thirty fifth year anniversary, and we're developing some big plans for that celebration um but the one thing I notice is that the product seems to be getting better and better every year uh the games of late and all the games throughout the season, but you know early in the season, teams are just getting their footing, but then then they hit a point where these games just become so much fun to watch and so much fun to go to and watch on b r Live. I couldn't travel last weekend so I literally watched eight games at home on my big theater a big theater screen in my basement and it was it was amazing to watch some of these games and these athletes do what they do. Um uh, it was a lot of fun. And Halifax is a great story for the league this year. They you know, Kurt Styres has been a longtime investor in in our league and He's uh he's put, you know, two fantastic leaders to run his his club and Mike Kirsey and and John Catalano, the president. Uh and, and it and they are really firing on all cylinders up there. So it's been it's been great to watch. And you know, Halifax is not a lacrosse market. Mm-hmm. Halifax is a the sport of lacrosse is new to that province and that area and that region and walking through the concourses. Um, uh, in between quarters and at halftime, I was astonished over how much licensed merchandise was on the backs and the heads of fans. There were th- Thunderbirds gear was everywhere. And, and that just speaks to the commitment the fans have for that team, you know, just you know, 15, 15 weeks into their inaugural season. So it's great to see that organization has done a phenomenal job launching that team in
2: a new market. Yeah, you said on Twitter that they are a new sort of benchmark model of, of how to build a brand new team. And and when you were saying that, you were kind of leading into the topics uh, of expansion. And you did tease that our our 14th team in the NLL will be announced within the next month two month time. And you said it'd be American based. There's there's obviously been um, speculation that it's going to be Fort Worth, and there's uh, been a patent put out for Fort Worth Panthers, but I know you won't say where we're going to go, but how important is it to to keep the balance of divisional alignment when we add our team number fourteen? Well, it's it's important. You know, we're really excited about team fourteen. It's it's another spectacular owner
1: uh, to join our already amazing group of owners in the league. Um, you know, it's all about the strength of ownership, and I would put the National Lacrosse League's ownership up against any. League in the world, frankly, um, including the n f l and the n b a so we got great owners we got to continue to add them geographic's important you know what we're trying to do is get to sixteen teams by twenty twenty three uh build out uh you know a sixteen team league at that point with a consideration about a realignment of divisions, so we want to make sure that we have a balanced geographic Uh, look to our league that does a lot of things for competition for creating regional rivalries for uh, keeping travel costs uh, down Uh, there's all sorts of reasons for smart geographic expansion and we're fortunate enough with team 14 sometimes you can't always control it because an owner pops up in a market that may not fit your geographic strategy but you got to take advantage of that opportunity but in this case Teddy it's it's uh, a really good geography for the for the National Cross League and a world class blue chip owner. So we're we're very fortunate and we're working really hard to get that deal to the to the finish line and make a great announcement heading into the playoffs.
2: You also mentioned uh, the importance of an expansion freeze. Why do you feel that that we need to just kind of hold off for a bit? Uh,
1: I'm sorry, an expansion one.
2: Uh, an expansion freeze like just take our time i know we're adding team 14 but we want to oh we're not of, we're no 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 we're we're not freezing
1: i don't think i ever used that word freezing okay um, so,
2: sorry let me let me re-act, we, let me re-ask that question i think you said we want to just we're not we're not expanding next year we're going to take time and the, the team 14 will come a year after why is it important just to give some space between now and that new team well you know, you can only run so hard until you have to take a breather.
1: I mean, we've added four teams in two seasons. Uh, I don't know any league uh, that has done that, and and that's a lot. It's a lot for a league to take on. It's a lot for coaches and players to take on. There's potentially a drain on quality if you overexpand too quickly, um, and and the league, frankly, you know, we we we're pretty lean mean operation here in Philadelphia. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're able to service uh, a league no matter how many teams are in it. So we've expanded a lot in a a quick period of time. And we we want to make sure that we always are looking at things strategically and we're properly staffed and well-resourced in order to keep that momentum going and grow properly. We also want to make sure our teams launch properly. We want to make sure they have enough runway so that they can build up a season ticket base. They can get themselves ingrained in their local communities and be really become part of the fabric of those local communities. And that takes time. I think it's naive to think you could launch an expansion team in less than 12 months. Uh, and usually, in my experience, because I've launched an expansion team in my career, um, I had two years to do that. Um, now, I had to build a stadium um, in that time frame as well, but but you need the time and the runway to launch properly because you only have one shot at an inaugural season, and you only have one shot to launch the team.
2: Your staff has been doing an incredible job, especially Kevin Morgan and Jessica Berman, of uh, uh, bringing in these non-endemic sponsors, but you're also bringing in sponsors that are going to help grow the league. And obviously, BetMGM, is one of those major sponsors that's going to help take the National Lacrosse League to a new level and open it up to new fans with sport betting. And, and you kind of, again, tease that for the playoffs, you kind of want to roll something out. How close are we to having a, a true optical partnership with BetMGM where, where fans can truly bet on games? Well, first of all, you can only bet online in states that are legal, so that's really important to know. Yeah um
1: but but i think it's important for the fans to know and over the next 3 to 4 years pretty much every state in the united states will be legal to bet uh canada it's federally uh regulated so you could you could bet up there now um but i, I guess the important thing to know is that th- this is a high priority strategy for us uh we're very focused on it we've invested in, in partnerships like MGM and Genius Sports and Sports Logic and we're getting um, we're getting our house in order in order to be able to support a gaming platform and a sports betting platform. And this is a very high priority for us here at the League Office. We're aiming we're aiming to do something for the playoffs. Uh I I can't confirm whether we're gonna do that yet or not. Um we have some really important pieces still to put in place. We've got uh, we've got some time to do that, so we're hoping to run run a test in the finals or the playoffs, but uh, we're not there yet.
2: With with sports gambling, obviously the information getting out to fans is going to be important, so that they can I guess make smart bets, for a lack of a better term. Um, in the NLL, it's, it's often days, weeks maybe after games are played that injury reports come out how important is it going to be to get a fluid system of getting that information out to fans so that they can make smart bets
1: yeah well there's two types of stats um that that sports betting uh, folks use and that one uh, one are historical stats which are those stats that come out after a game Uh, And then there's in-game stats that really support in-game betting. Uh, We're not going to test in-game betting uh, this year. We're hoping to roll out in-game betting next year. Um, And in order to do that, you've got to have a lot of confidence in your in-game stats. And we're working towards that right now. Um, The historical data is extremely important. Um, We... um, you know in, in in terms of historical data we have a lot of it because uh, we're 34 seasons old and um that data is pretty sound we're we're pretty happy with the kind of data we're able to share with the fans on historical data in terms of injuries um what you sometimes might see is a player is fine after a game but then he gets himself hurt in practice during the week or or in two weeks' time, and and, you know, injuries are the most unreliable piece of data you can have. You can have a game day scratch because a guy pulled something in a warm-up, so right. that is always going to be fluid. I think.
2: Okay. Um, Sport Logic has been one of your new partners. How has that partnership been for you guys from a, a league standpoint?
1: Uh, to be honest, we had a rough start with them. Um, we had a tough. Integration of historical data with them, and and it's been a tough road. Uh, but I'm really happy to say that the that the last, uh, I guess, from the midpoint of the season on, have been pretty good. So maybe the last three four weeks, we've we've had a lot of reliability in the stats that are that are coming through, and um, you know we feel pretty good that going into the end of the season, we're uh, we're in good shape.
2: What's next for Nick Stakevich? Obviously, uh, a big few weeks ahead of us. The Alterna Cup is rolling on very strong up in Canada. But what's your next big focus?
1: Uh, Just, you know, get through the season. um, You know, deal with this coronavirus issue in the best possible way to keep our athletes and and our fans uh, happy and healthy and have another spectacular playoff season like we had last year. And,
2: um, really
1: a lot of our attention right now is focused on season 35 and how that's going to, uh, how that's going to roll out. Um, and, and just continue to, uh, to build on the momentum that we've had. We've had four years of really good, fun momentum with, with, uh, new teams and new owners and, new sponsors and new broadcast partners, um, it's going to be great. You know, I, 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 we feel really good about where we are, but we ne- we never, ever sit around here with our feet on the desk thinking that we've arrived. We still have a very, very long way to go with this league. Uh, we have more teams to add. We have more owners to add. We've got more exciting things to roll out, and it's a great, great time to be in the national lacrosse league never been better in 34 years to be in the national lacrosse league our our franchise values have grown 600 plus percent in the last four years and they're going to continue to grow as we roll out these new markets and new sponsors and new broadcast partners
2: one last one you mentioned broadcast partners um i i believe this is the last year year of the deal with br live what's the What's the process of moving forward with them or, or looking forward to, to something else? Um actually we have one more year uh on the BR Live deal
1: and um they are they have been an awesome partner in every way. Uh we we're not waiting for the deal to expire. Um we we are beginning conversations about what a new deal could look like and and how that may best serve our teams and our fans going into a renewal. So we're we're having another really good year by the way on BR live with pretty substantial growth in in viewership. The uh the game of the week introduction this year uh has been, you know, a bit of a revelation rele- revelation in terms of viewership. Uh we're we're pulling some big numbers um on the game of the week broadcasts and we're excited about taking that to the next level together with our partner BRI for the long term so we're we're not waiting till the end of the deal to to talk about a renewal we're we're talking to them right now
0: that's the commissioner Nick Sakevich. um it's just a a very very odd time in the national crossing and all sport as as we've discussed it's it can't be easy to be the leader of a sports entity and have to make these decisions. But that's why commissioners are paid the big bucks to, to make these tough ones. And this has probably had to have been the toughest decision in Nick's tenure as commissioner of the national lacrosse league. And we were kind of joking before uh, we started recording the interview goes something about week 16. There's always something around this time of year where, where something seems to be a bit of a hiccup. And it's a, a tough spot. And uh, I appreciate Nick giving us time. Yesterday, he was a very busy man yesterday dealing with all the team personnel and GMs and, and ownership group and governors trying to find a process. And again, we, we reached out today on Thursday to try and get a comment, but they obviously have bigger things to deal with. And for those of you that haven't seen it or didn't read the NLL statement that they put out on Thursday, it says the National Lacrosse League has determined that it is in the best interest of our fans, players, coaches, and staff to temporarily suspend play until further notice due to concerns over COVID-19. We will continue to evaluate the situation and remain in constant communication with health teams, with health team, business, and league officials across North America. Security and safety is our top priority and the focus in these challenging and unprecedented times. We will continue to provide updates on resumption and rescheduling of play as they are determined. So again, not canceled, just put on hold. And that's just where we are. We're in a holding pattern. And it gets back to the case of Follow the leader and who is going to be the leader. And right now, everybody is just waiting and watching to see what happens next. Week 15 was wicked in the National Lacrosse League. Eight games and they were pretty much all fantastic. But with no week 16, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But one story I do want to talk about was that of Tyler Carlson and his play in the Colorado Mammoth game. He had to come in relief for Dylan Ward. Uh, Dylan Ward gave up five goals early in that contest. Tyler Ward, Tyler Carlson, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Carlson came in in relief, and as most people generally think in those situations, TC is just going to come in for a quick shift, give Dylan a breather, and Dylan Ward will come right back onto the floor and resume his position between the pipes. Well, that didn't happen. And Tyler Carlson stayed in the game. So as I was broadcasting that game with Jamie and Johnny, I looked at the score clock and there was under five minutes left, I believe, in that first quarter. So I thought, okay, maybe they're going to give Dylan the rest of the quarter just to calm down, play things out, take a bit of an extra breather, and he'll come back for the second quarter. Well, that didn't happen. And Tyler Carlson gave up a couple goals, and at one point it was 7-1. And there was like a moment of, what the hell is going on here? Rochester had played less than 24 hours ago in San Diego and got up lit, lit up for nineteen. They only had scored six. By the 12-minute mark of the second quarter, they had seven. Colorado had one. And when Johnny Golan interviewed Pat Coyle at the TV timeout, Pat Coyle said, you know what? They don't look like a team that played 24 hours ago, and we look like a team that thought we could just show up and win. And it was true. They looked like a team who thought that they could just show up and win. They had won two straight. They were feeling good about themselves. They were at home. Everything was going in order. Everything was running smoothly. Unfortunately, in this league, you don't play it on paper. And Rochester came out flying. And truly, if you go back and watch most games where teams are playing the second game of back-to-back... The early stages of that second game, they're always really strong because they're still playing with a lot of that momentum and energy from the night before. And Rochester came out firing. And Colorado tried to switch a few game plan things up. They tried to shut down Holden Katoni on the power play, which left Corey Highfield open twice. For extra man goals. And they weren't executing what they should have been executing. Their game plan be- wasn't being put to plan. But they got a couple goals right before the end of the half. Which were huge goals. A power play goal from Chris Wardle. Where he picked off a defensive clearing pass and beat Steve Fryer. Then Tyler Digby scored a 6 on 5 goal with a delayed penalty. They got it to 7-3. They almost got it to 7-4, but they were still within four goals at halftime. And having talked to a few guys after the game, I said, you know, was it a lot of yelling at halftime? Was Pat Coyle throwing chairs across the room? Was he calling guys out? And everyone said no. There was, you know, there was some comments and some concerns, but we all knew that if we just refocused and put our game plan to work, that we would be fine. And when they came out for the second half, they came out with a mission. They scored early. They scored often. They got the mammoth crowd back into the game, and they slowly started to wear down Rochester. The offense started to get in a rhythm. What can you say about Ryan Lee? That guy is just incredible. Incredible. Three goals in that third quarter. A third quarter hat trick really helped spark them. Uh, Digger got a goal. Wardle got a goal. Like, everybody was contributing. But what we haven't talked about yet is Tyler Carlson. And the thing about backup goaltenders is they are often the biggest team guys because they understand their role is they may never see the floor. But they have to constantly be ready to go into a game and be thrust into really tough situations. And Tyler's has been around this league long enough to understand that situation. He's been in them before. And oftentimes when you come in relief, like I said earlier, it's for a shift or two and then you're right back on the bench opening and closing the gate. But when you're asked to be put in, in those situations, and you're tasked with the rest of the game as a backup goalie, now you got to switch your mindset and focus on the big picture. And I think having been a starting goaltender in the past really helps Tyler in these situations because he can understand the game perspective of, okay, you know what? 7-1, let's forget about it. Let's make this 0-0, and let's go and try and win two and a half quarters of lacrosse. And when you can get a goaltender that comes in, and sure, first couple, I think actually the first one got by him, that could be tough. But when he settled into that rhythm, it allowed the rest of his team to settle down. They got a few saves, they got a couple lucky bounces, they got a couple calls to go their way, and momentum started to get in their favor. And when momentum and the crowd and the bounces are going your way, anything is possible. And in a game of runs like the sport of lacrosse, 7-1 matched by 7-1 is incredible, yet not all that unlikely. Philadelphia did the exact same thing to Georgia. So you always have to be ready for the runs. And as that game went on, and as Colorado started to find their legs and and start playing to speed and working their game plan, you started to see the gas tanks begin to empty in Rochester, which is not acceptable, which is expected. Rochester came out like gangbusters, and you knew they would. But you also knew as that game went on, it wouldn't be sustainable. They couldn't keep up that energy for two straight games on back-to-back nights in less than 24 hours. And Colorado was able to buy their time, get some goals back, and as they started to run, the tanks began to empty. And once Colorado took the lead, there was no turning back. And Tyler Carlson continued to make big save after timely big save after timely big save. He was the number one star. He's going to be the player of the week. And it is one of the stories of the season to see a backup goaltender come in and, make, and have that kind of performance to help his team not only get a huge win, but to keep their season momentum going with three home wins now in a row, continually to solidify their place as number two in the West. And it was one of the best moments of the season. I caught up with Tyler on Wednesday. He was working at the rink. He had just finished flooding the ice. He's way better than David Ayers at flooding the ice. And he's a family man. He loves the game of lacrosse. He loves being around the fellas. And he is one of the reasons he is one of the best big team guys in all of lacrosse.
3: Life's not easy for a backup goalie, is it? <laughs> Oh well, no, it's pretty busy back here, especially having two little ones around right when you get home, too, to look after and uh, take up most of your time as well. Uh, no, it's, it's pretty tough on the, uh, at home, and, you know, it's a little bit of a break when I get to go out with the boys in, uh, in Colorado and play there and uh, do our thing. But, uh, no, when I come home, it's, uh, it's definitely a whole busy, uh, busy thing for TC back here.
2: What's it like in those moments? I know John Galan asked you after the game, those moments, right? When coach Pat looks at you and you say you're in and your answer was, all right, well, well, let's go. But as you're watching that game unfold, are you mentally preparing yourself for that moment? Or are you thinking, okay, Dylan's going to settle in?
3: Ah, you know what? I've been in this position for a while, as many people probably know, but, uh, I just I just know your opportunity can come at any time in any different any different scenario, right? So you kind of have to be mentally ready always regardless of if it's one goal, two goals. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? I've been lucky to stick around Joe saying he's uh a couple we haven't had a couple our starts, sorry. Our starts have not been the greatest. So uh when I see that happen, it's like, you know what? Okay, maybe maybe it's my time and then uh Wardo does his thing with, obviously, like I said before, ice in his veins. He knows how to deal with the big game scenarios and, uh, obviously, any of the stresses that come with uh, maybe a couple goals that maybe didn't go our way or anything like that. But, you no, know, Wardle usually settles in pretty nicely, so I usually don't have the stress about having to go in.
2: Having been in this league for quite some time, like you mentioned, you've kind of seen it all. How have those past experiences helped you become a better goaltender and a better teammate
3: uh, well, a better goaltender i've been i mean I've been around the league a lot i've seen i've seen a lot of players watched a lot of films so i mean uh, the rookies that are coming in now i gotta watch a little bit more film on but uh being in the league a long time like i said uh definitely prepares you for anything really and uh to be a being a better teammate you uh, obviously have been around couple teams the last few years so uh, you get to see different points of view from different teams and uh, just let each of your players know that when you when you get together with them what people were looking at and uh, we decided we could beat them or or vice versa asking them how they thought they could beat me if (laughs) if I played that season or if I played that that game.
2: You started your career in Minnesota, and you and Evan Kirk were were an incredible tag team duo. Uh, you got reunited with him in Saskatchewan. How fun were those early years in Minnesota, where you were getting a lot of starts in the
3: National Hockey Oh, it was obviously it was nice, right? Uh, <laughs> being, being a young goalie uh, coming into the league, and Evie and I were were good buddies, and it was just, it was nice to have that tandem. But uh, that that didn't end up working out for very long, but, um, no, it was, it's really nice when, when I was playing with Evie and especially going back to Sask and hearing that he was coming there, I was, uh, I was pretty happy. And we, we kind of picked up where we left off. So yeah, no playing, starting and many the games, the games were really, really fun. And, uh, obviously it's fun playing, but it's a, it's a different animal when you're backing up too. Right. So not saying it's not fun at all. Cause it, it's just a different animal. You have to yeah, look was- up for different things and, uh, yeah just help helping just be a better teammate and uh yeah
2: you do you do have to do quite a bit more as a backup and anybody that's watched a, a rush game or a mammoth game or any time that you've been uh you know, on the bench right side the microphone of a bench reporter you are very active <laughs> how important is that for you to stay turned on as it were uh in the game so that your mind is always on helping your guys whether it's calling out where the ball is, strong left, strong right, or blade penalty. How important is that for you to be that sort of switched on?
3: It, personally, yeah, it, it that is what keeps me in the game too, right? Uh, and not only does it help out my, my fellow teammates or like Wardo or any other goalies that I've had to, to luck playing with. Um, but yeah, it keeps me, like you said, it keeps me in the game and uh, it keeps me on my toes and giving the guys the the feedback that they could potentially need if they don't see that potential player behind them or what, whatever it may be, whatever the, the, whatever arises in that game kind of thing. Uh, It's just nice to be, stay in the game, stay involved and uh, cheer for whenever we need to cheer. It was quite hilarious
2: when Dylan was in your role on Sunday and he was trying to yell and, he was rather under the weather on Sunday, and he had literally no voice trying to yell ball possession and loose balls. You do quite a job. There's a lot of big shoes to fill for anybody that, that steps into your shoes behind the bench because Dylan really struggled.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know if uh, Bill, Bill struggled. I mean, like you said, he was under the weather there. And uh, I remember once, I think it was during the third quarter there, uh, I, go, I go to Dylan, go to I go, hey, you know he's telling Oscar the grow, right, buddy? He's like, yeah, I bet. But these, these holes will help me big time, so,
2: yeah. As that game went on and you got more comfortable, how in a zone were you really? Because it seemed like you were seeing the ball really well.
3: Yeah, I, uh, after that first one, I went to the bench and, uh, Wardow said, you know what? We, you got a piece of it. I said, you, I saw it the entire way. Just, he, he beat me to my five hole and, uh, Said well, if that's if that's how it's gonna be, then we're gonna be all right for the night. So uh, yeah, I was I was seeing the ball pretty well, um, and uh, obviously when the the boys let the boys let the the opponents shoot from where we want them to shoot, it makes my job a lot easier. So uh, definitely have to take the hats off to our boys uh, on the D end there.
2: You mentioned that you know when when you're seeing the shots and and you, they were shooting from where you wanted to shoot from. Obviously the game plan wasn't being executed as well as the team would have liked in that open quarter and a bit, but once you guys really settled down, it seemed to be going your way. When those things are going your way, how easy is the goaltender position?
3: I mean, when it's going your way, it's actually pretty easy, man. Uh, but the, the position itself is not, it's not that easy. Just putting the time in and the, the, the effort that we've put in as professional goalies is, uh, what makes it that, which makes it easy, right? Because we've uh, we've battled through a lot of adversity. Anybody could tell you that from any starter in this league to the backup goalie to any person growing up playing. You know, like, you know how to do the job. You just got to come in and do it.
2: What you mentioned, and I know all the goaltenders do, but you mentioned watching film. How detail do you get when you're breaking down individual shooters or are you looking at certain guys? How detailed does it get when you're when you're trying to get a book on a guy?
3: Honestly, me personally it just when you're looking you're looking at where the stick angles are coming from personally, I like it's you know a guy and you watch him maybe six or seven shots in a row going dipping his shoulder but he's always going low, it's 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 nice to see and it's a it's a pretty big tell. When uh, when you see that and you can find the guy's tells and that's, that's definitely a part of being around the league a long time. Uh, you can you have a lot more time you can kind of see those subtle tells a little bit a little bit better and a little bit quicker.
2: Is there a guide that you still haven't figured out
3: yet? Uh, I mean, there's probably a few that I can't. I, I,
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: I'm not going to do that to anybody out there, but ah, no. fair
2: enough. I respect that. You got to keep your secrets, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, as,
3: as this Colorado
2: team has gotten more comfortable within each other, you guys are on a three game winning streak. Now that, that Vegas game, uh, was a tough one. It just, nothing really went your way that night, but since that game, you guys have really started to come into your own.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely, you can definitely feel it in our room. And, uh, the acquisition with uh, Ty coming in and being that big body out there and able to move some guys uh, is, a, is pretty big for us, too, and it kind of lifted us a little bit. So. so the boys in the room are happy, are good. We're feeling good. So uh, we're just going to keep this thing rolling as long as we possibly can.
2: I this coronavirus thing is kind of catching everybody off guard and, and the league is taking precautions. What's been sort of – the leagues, directorate to you as players to, to try and keep yourselves healthy and safe.
3: Uh, you know what, we do everything that we can to keep, like you said, keep ourselves health, like healthy, stay away from any any issues that may arise. If if that could potentially be a uh, a spot where you could kind of contract it, or just 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 be smart about what you're doing, even when you're traveling to airports, just make sure you're always washing your hands or. Staying away from people that you might think that could be having something, but uh, yeah, you know, just being safe and smart. I think that's a big thing.
2: That's got to be tough for a father of two young
3: kids. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't <laughs> have to worry about yourself. You got to worry about them too, right? And what they're getting their hands into, and yeah, it, it's it's definitely a little bit tougher, but uh, we're gonna battle for this.
2: Are they uh, are they a big fan of dad's goalie gear and, and what he does?
3: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, after the game my wife sent me a picture of myself on the on the TV and uh the two kids facing the TV looking at at daddy on the TV. It was uh I had a little moment there for uh, when I got sent that picture. Uh, it was pretty pretty special. Uh, I I shared it with the boys too and they they all agreed with me as well. So uh had to thank the wife for sending that to me. Uh but no it's it's special when they get to see me in the net and not not just behind the bench
2: how how tight is, is the goalie union um I, I actually kind of ask this to all all the goalies whenever on the show is it's which goalies are you kind of communicating with do you have a group chat with certain guys H- how close are you with all the other goalies around the league
3: uh, personally i uh, i'm like if i run into a, a goalie that i played with lately we have it's just that underlying uh the underlying feeling that whenever you you run into an, an, another goalie yeah, you, you know, it's pretty easy to start a conversation up, and you guys know everything what you've gone through, that kind of stuff. So, it's, goal union is definitely a thing. I'm, I'm not too close with any one certain guys, but once, like, once you get into like conversations with or walking past, you definitely know that there there is something there. Yeah. Um.
2: The the David Ayer story in the National Hockey League was one that kind of took the world by storm and, and was a really nice story. You're a, you're a backup goaltender. You're, you're a, you're a Zamboni driver. How nice was it to see Dave Ayers get the, the limelight that he was able to have in, in those fifteen
3: minutes of it. <laughs> you say 60 minutes of pain I mean, uh, <laughs> more, he's had more than that. Uh, I mean, that's the kudos to him really kind of, kind of cool to watch and to see, uh, see how that all unfolded. But uh yeah, no, that's definitely a pretty cool experience for them. And to see that he went to the NOL, uh yeah. a couple of Russia practices there as well. Like, it's kinda cool. <laughs> um what's it like
2: being driving a Zamboni? Um, you know, it's it's not a lot of people's first idea of, of a job for regular Monday to Friday, but uh you're at the Milton Rink there, flooding the ice. What do you enjoy about just cruising around on the big ice truck? <laughs>
3: well it, uh, what is it, about eight months out of the year, we got the ice in there. So uh, it's just nice to see the kids uh, starting where, where I started off, even like the four months of the year with lacrosse going on there too. It's just, it's nice to see the kids uh, just living at the arena like I did when I was younger and being able to kind of be a part of that is kind of cool. Uh, as most people think you just walk around with a broom and dustpan and clean up after people. It's, uh, it's definitely a little bit deeper than that for me. Just watching the kids play, and if there's any like two cents that I could give, little lacrosse players, if it's in that two months or four months that it is, uh, if I can give any tips to them, I'll jump out on the floor and give them a couple tips if they're not doing something right, or even like on the hockey end of things. I played hockey growing up too, so it's just nice to kind of watch and overlook, and maybe give a little couple two cents just from a zamboni driver, right? (laughs)
1: Exactly.
3: Uh, Do you have a do you have a, a specific ice
2: science? You know, or are you one of those guys that has to make sure the ice is absolutely perfect? Uh,
3: I mean, here at our rink, we uh, we take pride in our rinks. Um, yeah, we have some, keep them the proper thicknesses and and all that kind of jazz, all the tricks of the trades that we got here. Um, but yeah, no, we uh, we do our thing here to make it safe for everybody. <laughs> You guys have a week off.
2: Uh, that'll be nice because it's been a hectic past few weeks for you guys. But then you go uh, home to Calgary or a big road trip in in Toronto and New York. How important are these next couple of games for you guys to settle into a good playoff spot?
3: Um, just lately, we've been really, really stressing the fact that every game is a playoff game, right? Um, but the the way the the conferences are these days, we might we might be battling for a wild card spot if that's the way the cards end up folding. But uh, if we just keep battling, like every game's a playoff and every game's our last game, I think uh, I think we'll be in the playoffs and I think we'll do some damage too. How good is Ryan Lee going to be
2: if he continues to
3: play the way he's playing? Flying Ryan. He's going to be uh, – he's he's a dynamic player. And uh, like I said, getting Digger in there uh, is, it opens it up even more. Um so I, I can't wait
0: to watch what he's going to do for the rest of the way. That's Tyler Carlson, uh, backup goaltender for the Colorado Mammoth. Big team guy. Going to get him a lacrosse flash shirt one of these days. Maybe even a goalie union shirt so he can look as sharp as Kurt Wagger does. But he, he makes a lot of good points about just making sure that you're mentally ready as a backup goaltender. And it's a great lesson for, for all you young kids out there is that you just... Even if you are not in the game, you have a role. And you have to be able to do that role as best as you can. And when you get the tap on the shoulder from the coach, you got to be ready to jump in and, and pull your weight. And he's been doing that for quite some time. He's been around this league for quite some time. And I think a lot of people forget about his time early in his career in Minnesota where he was splitting time with Evan Kirk, and they were a 1-2 combination, and they were a really, really good 1-2 combination in Minnesota back in those early days of the Swarm. You know, then he bumped around, he was with, uh, he's been in Edmonton, he, he flipped to Saskatchewan, he spent a year with San Diego, now he's in Colorado, and he couldn't be happier. You know, sure, he probably would love to be a, a consistent number one around the league, but when you're comfortable in your role, And you can do it really well. You're a pretty happy guy. And Tyler Carlson always has a smile on his face. Uh, He's incredible in the locker room. He's an absolute comic show. um, But a really, really humble guy. Down to earth. uh, Great family guy. And uh, really appreciate him giving us some time. uh, Between flooding the ice. And watching the kids. And watching game film. Because that's another big part. Uh, of being a goaltender and and the way the national lacrosse league and and sports have come around with the ability to cut clips and have that technology at your fingertips to be able to to watch guys closely and get those books on guys Uh, it's helped the goaltender position incredibly over the last few years because it's a lot easier for goaltenders to get books on guys and to watch film on guys and be able to study tendencies. So shooters have to continually be changing up their styles. And so do goaltenders. And it's just a, a yin and yang of the sporting world in lacrosse of goaltender versus shooter, shooter versus goaltender. There are still lots of questions as to where we go in the world of sports right now. I know everyone has questions. But there are a lot bigger concerns going on in the world right now, so we have to let those in charge do their duties and let them tell us when it is safe to continue. We will work at this podcast as best we can, but often with no games, it may not be as easy as possible, but maybe we can still find some way to fill an hour of your time every week until the NLL and sports return. I want to thank the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, who gave us some time during a very busy time for him. And of course, to the man, Tyler Carlson, for letting us inside the world of a backup goaltender slash Zamboni driver. Let's all hope we can get back to watching the game soon. Until then, we're going to be watching and playing a whole lot of golf. My name's Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Until we speak again, stay healthy and be excellent to each other. I am a-